Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the MedTech Impact Podcast, where you get to hear from leaders and innovators who are shaping the future of medical technology. I'm Kyle Cruz. And I'm Richard Mikuljong. And we're your hosts of the show. So today we are delighted to be joined by Alison Byers, CEO and founder of Scrubius. Welcome to the show, Alison. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. So, Alison, uh, I'm so excited to be able to tell the story of what you do. To me, uh, personally, this is a really important mission that you're on uh, with your company. Uh, so please tell the audience, what is the big problem that Scrubius is looking to solve? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think I'm going to start with the story. Is that OK before the big problem? Because it oh, leads yeah. right into it. So I'm going to give you the the background and uh, and for everyone listening why this is relevant to med device and life sciences because Scrubius does work with uh, more companies than that to solve that big problem as you said it. Uh, but before founding Scrubius, I uh, launched and ran a medical device company that I helped spin out of MIT and the Leahy Hospital System here in Boston, uh, where I was the business one on the team. We can dive more into that later, but short story is we we did raise about 10 million for that company. And then we ended up going to early acquisition because I was challenged to raise our series B round. So the really big checks after we went through an A prime. Uh, and after that acquisition, the, the three men that acquired the company shortly thereafter raised $55 million. And that was my moment of, uh, trying to figure out what happened, right? This was kind of the ultimate origin story for Scrubius and the big problem that we're working on now because we clearly were good at what we had done, right? And the company was in a place to be funded. Uh, and that's when I looked at the statistics about what does fundraising look like? What is capital allocation to understand what I went through? And you very quickly find some very disheartening numbers, uh, like for all of venture capital, only 1.6% goes to women. That's, that's the 2023 number. Uh, and it made me realize there is a world of founders who identify as underrepresented who need their innovations. We need their innovations, particularly in life sciences uh, and health tech in the world who are not able to access the funding that they need. And we see that impact all over the place, particularly in women's health, which is so far behind men's health in large part because the funding hasn't gone to them, uh, the, the women who are working on these innovations. So all of that is to say with Scrubius, uh, we have created a platform that is scalable and brings expert level guidance and resources and education and community in how you pitch and how you fundraise to all entrepreneurs so everyone can access the really expert-led uh, high-level resources that they need. Um, and then on the other side of it, we allow those founders who complete uh, working with us and creating pitch material through our platform to showcase their opportunities to investors on the other side. And we use decision science and data to curate what investors see so that we can better coordinate uh, those right introductions. So I love the fact that you're bringing science to something that's so essential in terms of communication and connecting people and telling that story. 
Um, and I'm sure we'll come on more as we go through today's discussion around the medical device origin. But you know, tell us just a little bit more about statistics. I saw you did a post recently about you know reflection and how last year was such a great year. But if you delve a little bit more into the, into the data, you were actually sort of describing how well, actually, if you reflect back, you know, it's not as good as it seems. And so those figures you touched on around diversity for fundraising still has a lot of work to go forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it can, if you if you identify as underrepresented, whether that's by gender or race or neurodiversity or veteran status or however you identify in that way, the funding landscape is so incredibly imbalanced, it can be really disheartening. And when this data comes out, a new batch of data, right? So 2023 data just was released by PitchBook. It often is accompanied by articles that focus on those segments. And there was one that focused on uh, female founders. And it can be misleading if you don't actually look into it because, because it is so disheartening. Sometimes there's a spin on it that tries to you know put a rosy spin. Uh, so with that post that you're referencing that I made on LinkedIn, uh, the article was talking about mixed gender teams and how uh, teams with a female founder received more funding than they ever have in the past, which is fairly misleading because all female teams, female founded teams actually receive less. Uh, we we got less money, went down to 1.6%, and it was spread over more deals, which means we're getting less capital and we're having to do more to get that. Uh, and so really understanding that data, understanding your um, chances and what you're up against, it's not to discourage people, but I really believe in the power of transparency and valuing your own time. And this is, you know, a lot of the guidance that we provide to founders is evaluating all of your capital sources. And it can be, you know, particularly challenging with med device, if you have a scientific background, an academic background, it's not natural for you to get into the pitch storytelling element, but your odds are already stacked against you. And if you don't do the work to understand that piece of it, it'll just be that much harder. Yeah, absolutely. And Kyle, I'm, yeah. I'm sure like the audience, you know, we want to know a little bit more about you know, how we're solving this problem and, you know, what Scribius does. Well, yeah, I mean, it is quite interesting, right? Because obviously this has been something that founders have been, you know, focused on and it's been obviously a, a key element of them starting there and building their company. So, you know, building your pitch deck, this is this has been around, I guess, for for such a long time. I mean, I don't know how many years, maybe honestly thousands of years for crying out loud, right? It's like it's it's just it's a part of the process. So kind of what is the old way of doing these pitch decks, right? And what's kind of, what does Scroobius, you and Scroobius see as the, the new way of doing it? How has that changed? Yeah, it's really interesting. So, I mean, anytime that you're trying to uh, solicit funding for a project you're doing, whether it's a startup or not, you have to pitch someone, right? You have to pitch a bank to lend. You have to pitch a studio to make a production. You, you, always, you have to pitch what you're doing. Um, but in business, traditionally, it's been the business plan, right? I think uh, not to like age all of us on this uh, chat here today, but I'm pretty sure we've all written a business plan or remember writing large documents and reviewing them. 
people don't do that anymore, right? When's the last time you saw a 30 page Word doc business plan? You don't see it anymore. We, we present, right? We speak in presentations now. And especially where entrepreneurship has exploded, it, it is a career path now. Uh, and there are more training programs for entrepreneurs than ever existed before. Uh, even just to give you some quick stats, because it's so interesting, there are more than 5,000 entrepreneurship courses just in the U.S. That is a 1,900 wow. percent increase since 1985. And there are uh, 8,000 plus business accelerators, more than half of them founded in the past 10 years. So we're training entrepreneurship as a career, but we haven't been keeping up with the training on how you obtain the capital you need to pursue that startup, especially as we were talking about, if you identify as underrepresented and capital is not going to you, you we have to also educate on that side of thing. And we, and we have to change the way our systems work, which is a whole other, uh, you know, I have a whole activism side to me that that's, that's a different conversation, but, um, but now investors are used to it. The signals they use, whether we're talking about venture equity investors or we're talking about angel investors or debt lending or revenue-based financing, whatever that is, they are looking for you to tell them a story through a presentation that they can relate to instantly, personally, and get it at a very basic general high level because they don't have the time that they used to have to read through these heavy documents. They give you three minutes on average, and that's all that they have. It's not that they're being unfair, it's that they're overwhelmed. So it is a new type of skill to not just know your business mechanics and write out this well thought out plan, but how do you present in a way that people are gonna respond to you on a really kind of primitive level on that human to human level? Yep. And it sounds like too, and Richard, we see this all the time in the impact program and how when they're doing when these companies are doing the impact pitch off and they get up there, we only give them what four three, four minutes to really pitch their company and technology. And it's interesting because that goes, I think, with what you're describing and what, you know, uh these investors that really this, hey, listen, we're going to give you a few minutes. Tell us what's going on. And you better come with great facts and inspire the heck out of us. It seems like, right? But at the same time, wouldn't there still be a need where it's like, all right, you got a good story and I'm excited. Then what does that next step look like? Yeah, absolutely. And these are how we think about kind of the sections of a pitch. And there's always an order to them so that you are telling a story in essence. And for Scrubius, our framework and what we teach is that order has to begin with you and your mission. That's the first, that's the most important. People need to know who you are. There's a whole host of reasons, but really, you know, when you're an early stage founder, particularly if it's a very technical or, you know, uh, company that requires deep expertise, you have to immediately say, why are you doing this? And do I believe that you are going to be a good steward of my capital and be able to execute on what you're saying? You are paramount to making this work. You come first, right? Mm -hmm. Then the big problem, then how you solve it. Those three are the tickets to the game. 
if someone doesn't buy into those three, none of the rest of the things that you just mentioned really matter as much. The execution mechanics, the business mechanics, if I don't buy into those top three things. And that's what you hear in demo days and pitch competitions, right? It, it's mm -hmm. those three things because those are the tickets to the game. So as you get past that, you still need all that in other information, but it comes after and it can still be in a five minute pitch. You can hit on all the other mechanics like your market size and competition and business model, right? We have, we have our core uh, 10 framework there. But as you move deeper into fundraising, past the first pitch or the demo day or the competition or whatever that first interaction was. You have longer meetings with more people where you can dive into that because you've made it past, you, they bought the tickets, right? Now you've made it past, you're in the game. And that's when you get into those elements. That is so true, Allison. And I think the other thing we'd love to highlight for you as a platform, of course, you have this very formulaic approach and you're teaching and educating entrepreneurship, which I think is another fascinating topic around whether you can teach entrepreneurship or whether you're born with it. Clearly you can teach it and you were all in this business of communication, um, but you're also building a really cool ecosystem. You know, your platform is bringing people together. So can you tell us a little bit more about that, please? Yeah, for sure. It it has been an amazing, I mean, I'm in the same boat as a lot of our founders. We, we've been around for three years, right? I was a, incorporated as a COVID company, right? Right before COVID showed up. So we're a startup too. Uh, and that's one of the big things that we found in our own discovery and research is this connective infrastructure doesn't exist in a way that is scalable and authentic, right? And I think that's part of how we have grown so fast and built up such a great community is that authenticity and the lived experience that we share with the entrepreneurs that join. Uh, and so we do have that connective infrastructure for founder to investor. And again, we, we are national. We have founders and investors everywhere. And we focus on making those appropriate and relevant connections. And we have success stories of investors discovering founders and funding them who would never have known about each other. They're not in the same region. They're not in the same networks, but they were the right match. And then separately, we have a whole, we're a conduit to the service provider community as well, which are essential uh, and universities and accelerator programs that, you know, that we're connected and we connect our founders to you and vice versa. Uh, where our service providers, um, like law firms, accounting firms, um, you know, consultants, uh, and especially in life sciences, we have some wonderful partners where they will uh, cover accounts for founders to join our community so that they start a relationship on a real value transaction and they become the trusted partners and the network help. That, the, that our founders need to connect to. And otherwise it's really not clear how you do that for either side, how you start in that real genuine way. Um, so yeah, we, we've had 650 plus founders now come through our platform in the past couple of years. And we've had, I mean, tens of thousands of connections made among this whole you know ecosystem that we've been able to build. You know, it's cool too, Allison and, and Richard, to your point on, on you know, Scroobius's platform. What I really find fascinating too, and I think this is kind of one of your missions, right, is to make, you know, these types of services more accessible to founders. And I love that you include your pricing on your website, actually. And you have all these different stages or or kind of 
uh, yeah, kind of like, you know, different needs. It's like, you, you only need a little bit. Well, here you go. Oh, you need a lot. Here you go. All these, um, <clears throat> you know, options, I should say. Right. And they're all incredibly affordable. I mean, like you look at this pricing and you look at the value, I mean, $40 and you're getting a one-on-one -on -one each week and you're a part of a platform and you're getting access to all these people. I'm like, this is, this is compelling, you know? <laughs> How are you able to to offer so much value, right? And like at at really at such a competitive price, I think it's really important. So many people want to know, okay, how much is it going to cost me, right? That's a reality. How, yeah, how do you do that, you know. No, I really appreciate it, and yeah, I don't uh, like this. Isn't a, a sales? Uh, I don't, you know, this to turn. I, I really appreciate you saying that, but yeah. that was part of my goal from the very beginning. Was we're a tech platform, and we've built everything to scale, right? So almost everything is actually asynchronous through the platform, mm. with a combination of self education through our expert led micro lessons that we add to all the time based on our community. Uh, and their needs, and then personalized guidance where founders submit draft material and get really actionable tactical feedback back to them, but asynchronous, right? It allows you to scale um, because that's one of those big problems is founders, and again, particularly founders who are working on something that is complicated and difficult to explain to a general audience often really do need help from a pitch coach, right? They do. And I've been a pitch coach. It's a time-based profession. So it's expensive inherently. It's an expert's time. Uh, and that becomes inaccessible to millions of entrepreneurs who actually need it the most. Mm -hmm. And so right from the outset that I knew, whatever we build has to be scalable and the unit economics have to work so we can make it as affordable as possible. And that's part of why we work with partners too. Most of our founders actually don't pay because they are working through a service provider. And then we make that introduction. It's typically a service that they need. And now they not only have our help for pitching and fundraising, they also have help from this trusted advisor capacity uh, of a service provider where founders don't realize most of them want to help without trying to sell necessarily. They want to be involved in the startup ecosystem. That's how you build your reputation, your brand, and your relationships for future sales. But founders are very reticent to just reach out to them. So we we can be that in between. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's just so perfectly put and said. And yeah, you typically, it was funny when we were talking before the show, we don't really go into, you know, like the big sales pitch here. This is about value to the audience, right? But I think that that is just so unique, right? In this day and age, what like you want to know how much it's going to cost. You want to know the value you're getting and you want to know, uh, and, and it just being able to do it at such a competitive rate when these people are, you know, strapped for cash anyways, yeah. trying to make it. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's obvious. And so, um, I, you know, I'm just so glad that, you know, we're able to, to, to get that out there. Um, you know, so something that else that, you know, going back to, to you and in your expertise in this space and, and going back to storytelling, you know, I guess, do you have maybe a few tips for the audience founders out there today looking to to raise capital and you know what they 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 don't know where to start telling their story what what are what are your tips for them 
Absolutely. So I'm going to give you my number one tip. And this is what I say in all of my pitch workshops is if you remember one thing from this whole workshop, I want it to be this. And it's such a simple thing, but rarely done uh, is when you're working on your presentation, every single slide should have a statement at the top that tells me the point of this slide. One point per slide. What is it? Tell me. It's a header statement. And when you're even just thinking about how do I tell my story, starting with your header statements is a great place because they should tell your story even without the slide content. If I just read them, do I understand your business and your opportunity? Every single slide should have one. So you can build your skeleton story, right? Then you go back and you and you put in the body of your slide, but whatever you put in there, should convince me that the thing you said at the top is true. Convince me that that header statement is true. So you give yourself guardrails too, because that's one of the most challenging things is picking what you put on the slides. It can't be everything, right? Particularly for that first pitch or that demo day, how do you pick? Well, isolate what tells my story, right? For my origin story, for me, why did I start this company? Why? Give me the one line. Give me the header. If you were going to tell someone in one sentence, what would it be? Then fill it in, right? Same with your competitive landscape. What do you want me to know? And it should be a strong statement that gives me information, not a label, not competition that gives me no information. What is the point of this slide? It's a really great exercise just to start through and you know, even if founders don't work with us, we, we put a ton of content out there uh, for everybody. And you can see our core 10 framework on the website. Look at those 10 sections, create your headers and see if you can tell a storyline that way. That's such great advice and a great question, Kyle, to ask, because I think, again, when we think about technical founders, which we see a lot of in the medtech space, that's sometimes a really hard thing to do. And again, in your workshop, Alison, you have a great couple of slides about how we dive into the regulatory component or the re reimbursement component and how they can tell the story of those things that are sometimes hard to translate to the audience. Yeah, exactly. Well, and especially scientific founders, like I had the reverse, right? Where at my last company, I actually had to give a grand rounds presentation to a you know an audience of doctors. That for me, I was like, oh my God, like I better make this super, you know, scientific, like put all my charts in there, all the things that I wouldn't do in a pitch deck to investors. So I can understand if you're used to just giving grand rounds or presentations to a scientific or clinical audience that understands what you're talking about, it can be very challenging to shift into, well, what's the minimal amount of information I can put on this slide and you have to, they don't have time. Investors don't have time. It sounds counterintuitive. Doctors actually have more time and, and they will dive into mm -hmm. it with you. The investors are like, you tell me, you tell me the thing. I'm not going to stare at this slide full of charts and words and elicit what you want me to know, right? The founders sometimes think it's, it's just intuitive. Well, whoever looks at this is going to understand what I'm saying. No, they won't. They're not going to give you the time to understand it. You better tell them. And yeah, these are some of those simple, you know, kind of tips when you think about it. Oh, that makes sense. But it doesn't if that's not your 
world and that's not where you come from and you're up against other people who do understand that who are pitching to the investors and and then you're at a disadvantage yeah that's that is so so great and you know i'm just so fascinated too allison i love your slogan screw bias be screwvious it's edgy you know it like packs a bit of a punch uh, what, like, tell us more about that. Like screw bias. How did you even come up with this? <laughs> sure. Oh, it was, that one was kind of natural. It's like the, the name Scroobius actually comes from a poem. That's the, the background of the name. It just so happens. I, you know, I, I recognize I picked a company name that is difficult for some people to say and to spell. Um, but I get to tell the story and it's meaningful. It, it actually comes from a 19th century poet named Edward Lear. He has a poem called the Scroobius Pip, uh, which is a children's poem. It's all about this creature that enters the animal kingdom. It's a little bit of every animal. It's called the Scroobius Pip. And the poem are the animals in their groups saying, which of us are you? Trying to classify it, right? And at the end of the poem, they celebrate it because they can't classify it. It's unique and it's happy at the end, right? So that's where the name for me, you know, if you don't pattern match as a founder in the investing space, well, we shouldn't be penalized for it. That's a unique opportunity where you find profit and alpha. That should be a celebration. So Scroobius is where the name comes from. And it just so happened that Scroobius is, you know, mm -hmm. behind, we're a mission-driven company. That's our mission. And it helps people know how to say the name. Cool. Great story. <laughs> love it. Absolutely. Absolutely love it. And so please tell us what's coming up for Scroobius. You know, you mentioned you do a lot of personal advocacy work. Uh, and obviously Scroobius is a growing platform. You know, what's ahead in the next sort of 12 to 18 months for you personally and for Scroobius? Yeah, I appreciate the question. And and yes, I do. Uh, it, you know, I, I hope people find me on LinkedIn, feel free to look me up and connect with me. I do a lot of other work all under the mission of diversifying who gets to participate in our innovation economy. Um, part of that is legal activism, which, you know, platforms like mine and other platforms also need regulations in this space to help raise the awareness and raise the accountability of where is the capital going. Um, but for Scribbits itself, we're continuing to grow. We've now built in more capacity in our own startup so we can work with more partners. You know, if there are any service providers, accelerators, universities listening who want to support and reach more diverse entrepreneurs, please get in touch with us. That is our audience. Uh, and ourselves, we have a big research and development effort too on the investor side. You know, my background is pretty heavy in uh, data analysis and data science. That's where I come from. We are measuring and turning into variables the intangible qualities that investors always talk about, right? A lot of investing is based on your gut, on your intuition. You just feel a connection with a founder. You know, when you listen to investors talk, and I'm an angel investor too, this is how they talk. It's on their gut. You can measure a lot of that gut you can measure the connection you feel with somebody's characteristics when they're presenting. Our founders create decks and video introductions. So we have a lot of data about character, coachability that we get through working with the founders on our platform. That's what being a tech platform lets you get data that you can use in a responsible way. Uh, and so this coming year, we're doing a lot of work building our own recommendation system so we really can 
grow the success rate, right? The, the investors discovering founders that are relevant to them that they would not encounter otherwise in their networks. Amazing. Well, I'm excited to see the platform grow, to see Strubius help more founders. Uh, you have a, an amazing mission uh, and you have an amazing approach to how you're solving this problem. Well, thank you. I very much appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was amazing. Allison, we can't thank you enough for coming on today to the show. And we just, you know, really hope that all the founders and and everyone just working in, in the med tech industry in general, who's here supporting entrepreneurs and helping them on their journey um, and, and achieve their goals and dreams. I hope, you know, you guys find an opportunity to learn more about Scroobius um, and Allison. Um, you are such a selfless person. You are so involved throughout the industry. You are an incredibly hardworking, dedicated entrepreneur yourself uh, and just leader in the med tech space. So um, keep crushing it. More people like you, please. Uh, and thanks again for, for coming on today. Wow. I'll pay you later for all those compliments. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. This was yeah. a great chat. I really appreciate you inviting me on. Uh, and I love, love the platform that you're giving to founders working on amazing innovations too. Super. Fantastic. And one last question, Alison. Of course, the audience want to know if they want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Absolutely. So uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. You can always find me there and engage with me there. You can reach out. Our you know, contact information is on the website, scroobius.com. It's S-C-R-O-O-B-I-O-U-S. Uh, although we've, we've done a lot of work now. If you spell it wrong, you'll still make your way to us. <laughs> uh, and yeah, people should, should feel free to reach out. We're pretty reachable. Awesome. Brilliant. Well, we Super. recommend checking out the platform. That's right. And remember, screw bias, be screwbious. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to stitch it on a pillow. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in uh, to another episode of the MedTech Impact Podcast. Again, that was Allison Byers from Scroobius. And until next time, I'm Kyle Cruz. I'm Richard Meeklejohn. Keep innovating. <laughs>